Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. Okay, so today we are talking about season eight, episode five called Blood Brother. So we start out at a dock at night. We're in Eagle Harbor, Washington. Washington. Yay. <laughs> I've never heard of Eagle Harbor. <laughs> um, I don't think I have either, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So a man walks along the dock. Uh, Benny, the vampire, steps out from behind him and says, hello, Quentin. Quentin says, Benny, no, it can't be you. Benny says, I get the confusion. You of all people knew I was really, truly dead. After all, you held my legs down, didn't you? When the old man told Sorrento to saw off my head, where is he? Quentin says, are you serious? Did you really think I'd tell you where he is? Benny says, well, I guess it was. And he holds up a large knife and says, kind of hoping you wouldn't. Quentin says, on the other hand, I might show you where he is. And two other men walk up behind Benny and Quentin says, after me and my boys take off your hands and feet. Benny says, well, don't go through all that trouble on my account. Quentin says, please, you go and crawl your way out of God's ass for another ride on the merry-go-round. The old man's going to want to see this for himself. Benny says, mm, well, they might be able to kill me and that's all right. Cause if they do, I know exactly where I'm going. And who I'll see when I get there. Quentin growls. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Quentin growls and his fangs come out. Benny lunges towards him and cuts off his head and then turns to face the other two men who are holding knives. And then we get our opening title sequence. <clears throat> so we cut to inside a motel room in Enid, Oregon. What a name, Enid. I've never heard of Enid, Oregon either. Not that yeah. I know all of Oregon or anything, but I've heard of people named Enid, but I didn't like know there was a town. <laughs> ah. Okay. So Sam and Dean go inside. Sam immediately goes to the bathroom and turns on the light. <laughs> Dean looks around the room and says, well, that is twice that he's burned us. Shame on you. Sam says, no, no, no. I'm the one who said he set us up. Dean says, no, you said, I wonder if Kevin is setting us up. <laughs> and then you started in with the techno babble. That was like two states ago. Sam says, yeah, well, whatever. Either way, there's another room or that's another room built to one of Kevin's false credit IDs. Uh, Dean picks the lock on the minibar. Sam says, and the motel ran his number today. Dean says, just like he actually checked in. Sam <laughs> says, Yes. Dean says, kid's like Rain Man. He's like a crappy little credit card counting criminal prodigy Rain Man. <laughs> Sam says, well, he was an advanced placement. <laughs> Dean says, shut up. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> yep. And Dean hands Sam a beer from the minibar. Dean says, when's that little idiot going to stop running from us? Sam says, I don't know, Dean. I mean, you did try to kill his mother. Dean says, I was trying to kill Crowley, okay, who happened to be wearing Kevin's mother at the time. <laughs> well, there's a difference. Not Sam, really, though. <laughs> I know. Sam <laughs> says, apparently not to Kevin. Oh, I know. Maybe because, oh, yeah, it's his mother. <laughs> Dean's phone rings, and he says, hold that thought. No, actually, you know what? Don't hold that thought. Dean on the phone says, hello? Hello? 
hang on, there's not enough bars. And Dean goes outside and closes the door behind him. Dean into the phone says, Benny? And then we see Benny on the dock. Uh, his bloody knife lies on the ground and Benny's bleeding from several wounds. Benny says, hey, Dean, you, uh, you got a minute? Afraid I messed up, buddy. Dean says, what did you do? Benny says, no, man, not like that. Uh, inside the motel room, Sam looks out the window at Dean. <clears throat> and then Dean looks over his shoulder at the motel room window. <laughs> I don't know why that was important, but I wrote it. So it's fine. <laughs> yep. uh, Dean says, I'm sorry, you took out how many? Are you crazy? Benny says, hey. And we see Quentin's men lying dead on the dock. Benny says, see, the thing is, my legs, they ain't working so good. There's a fuel barge not too far from here. I'm pretty sure I could make it at a slow crawl. I was kind of hoping maybe I could ask you for one more favor. So we cut to inside the motel room. Dean puts his bag on the bed. Sam says, and, and what exactly is that supposed to mean? You've got to go? <laughs> Dean says, which words are giving you trouble? Sam says, we're on the case. Remember, Dean? The Winchester Holy Grail, the shut the gates of hell forever case. Dean says, sure are, but in order to close the gates of hell, we need our prophet. Am I right? So step one, find Kevin Tran. Well, he ain't here, but he wanted us to be, which means we're probably as far away from him as he could possibly put us. So step two, find Kevin Tran. <laughs> he looks in the minibar and then says, you mind if I take the Toblerone? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, oh, by the way, chocolate, you know? Like <laughs> yep. So Dean leaves the motel room, followed by Sam. Sam says, wait, Dean, seriously? Dean says, hey, the trail is dead, but the room is paid for. You got some research to do, and I got some personal crap I got to take care of. That's all. Sam says, what does that mean? Personal. Dean says, did you have a stroke? <laughs> Vocabulary? Personal, as in my own grown-up personal, I don't know, crap. <laughs> I love how he gets so defensive when he's doing something that he knows is like, kind of wrong shady. he's like yeah. what do you want you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep sam says damn it dean says what sam last i counted you took a year off from the job i need a day so that's uh that's fair i mean that is fair <laughs> yeah so dean gets in a baby and starts her engine we cut to sometime later uh dean is driving and we get a flashback to purgatory um dean falls on his back to the ground during a fight he looks for his weapon, which is out of reach. Uh, Dean kicks out with a leg and knocks the monster he's fighting down. He gets up and grabs his weapon. Uh, Dean throws the monster to the ground and swings his weapon at it three times. <clears throat> um, Dean re reaches behind him. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> my brain went somewhere else for a sec. Um, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> just, well, I'm just going to move on. <laughs> So Dean reaches behind him and puts a hand on Benny's arm. It looks like they've been fighting back to back. Another monster runs at them. Benny is whistling. A second monster runs towards them. Dean and Benny get ready to fuck some shit up. <laughs> <laughs> back in real time, we cut to Sam in the motel room. He looks up Cascadia credit, Kevin Tran's Princeton admission form, and a credit card application with Kevin's picture and the name of Kevin Park on his laptop. Sam says, you are a wascally wabbit, Mr. Tran. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was my best effort at that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, not you, oh, man. Just like. 
<laughs> the fact that it's like that's what it, he was just like wascally wabbit like uh okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Sam then pulls up a credit card application for the name of Amelia Richardson. Sam says, concerned, not stalking, concerned. (laughs) He hears a whirring noise coming from the bathroom and goes to investigate. It's the bathroom fan making the noise. And then we get a flashback. We're in a motel. It's daytime. We see a close-up of a noisy air conditioner in the motel reception room. Sam enters with Riot, the dog, on a leash. Sam says, Everett, hey, buddy, you still on duty? Everett says, yeah, yeah. Sam says, how's your dad? Everett says, he's kind of having it rough um, on the new regimen. Can't keep anything down. Sam says, that sucks. Everett says, yeah. Sam says, listen, uh, I'm going to stay on another week, okay? But I need you to run it on this card because I just canceled the one you had on file. Everett says, okay, sure. Sam looks at the noisy air conditioner. And Everett says, I figured you'd have moved on by now. Sam says, right. Well, I'm kind of between jobs. Uh, Plus this dog has a surgery follow-up on Tuesday. Everett says, yeah, you really messed up that dog. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Sam says, right. Uh, Thanks for that. They both look at the noisy air conditioner. Everett says, oh yeah, it's all that thing does. Piss, moan, and eat up money we ain't got. Sam says, well, you got any tools? Everett says, hell, if you can fix it, you don't need to go and look for a job. You got one here. And the flashback ends. So we're back in real time in Sam's motel room. Uh, He screws the cover back onto the fan. He turns it on and it works quietly. He turns it off. Uh, We cut to the dock. It's still daytime. Dean pulls up in baby and parks next to a pickup truck. He looks in the cabin of the truck and then opens the covered truck bed. He opens a small ice chest, which contains blood bags. Dean shakes his head and then takes the ice chest and closes the truck bed. Uh, he goes into a nearby fuel barge. Dean yells, Benny! And he walks down some stairs and finds Benny leaning, leaning against the wall. I love how he just walks in there and starts like yelling like, oh, <laughs> let me just announce my presence to anything that might be here that, you know. Like, exactly. Like a grief. I would be whispering. <laughs> I know, I'd be like, Betty. <laughs> I know, I'd be like, you're a vampire. You can hear me. Or also, hey, they both have phones. Call him. <laughs> you know, like- <laughs> that is smart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it just seems kind of logical to me. <laughs> <laughs> the phone thing never crossed my mind. <laughs> uh, Dean says, Benny, not looking good. Benny chuckles and says, up yours. Uh, Dean opens the ice chest. So we cut to some time later. Dean leans against a table on which there are many empty blood bags. Benny comes out of a bathroom wearing clean clothes and drying his hair with a towel. Dean says, wow, you uh, look okay. Benny says, get in there. Dean says, dude, you were double hamstrung. Benny says, yeah, well, a little rest, a half a cooler full of AB negative. Most wounds short of an amputation will mend up, vampirically speaking. Dean says, uh-huh. Benny picks up a bag and puts it, uh, that's not what I wanted to say. <laughs> Benny picks up a bag and puts on a hat. He says, I'll be a hundred percent before you know it. And he picks up the ice chest and holds out a hand to Dean. He says, thanks you. Thank you, brother. And they shake. Thanks you. <laughs> Thank, I said, thanks. <laughs> thanks you. <laughs> thanks you. <laughs> Dean says, Benny, what's going on? Benny says, oh, your work here is done, Dean. You already saved the day. 
you know, I got my uh, deal and you got, what'd you call it? A family business? Dean says, Benny, what's going on? Benny says, you and that whole friend thing, man. <laughs> like, dude, give it up already. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a flashback to purgatory. Uh, Dean stands up after killing a monster. Benny cleans his weapon on another monster's clothing. A third monster swings a weapon at Cass, who puts his hand on a monster's head and smites him in a blaze of light. Uh, the monster falls to the ground dead. Benny says, well, I got to admit, Dean, he's got his strong points, but holy <laughs> hell, if he ain't a magnet. Dean says, well, before we found Cass, you said it was my humanity that was drawing too much attention. Benny says, yeah, that too. <laughs> Cass says, well, I think we're clear for the moment. It does present a curious curl in the metaphysics, doesn't it? If you murder a monster in monster heaven, where does it go? Benny says, and this is the crazy ant that I want to take on the road. Cass says, I am not your aunt. Benny says, what? Really? Cass says, I have no possible relationship to your sibling offspring. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> oh man. Come on, get it together. <laughs> Benny says, now you're kidding me. Dean says, like, are oh. you that dumb, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Dean says, oh, you two are killing me. Cass says, I have to agree with the vampire, Dean. The risk of crossing purgatory with a seraph is less than strategic, and certainly when we have no reason to believe that I can pass through the door that you're headed for. Benny says, you see, you're an intact living human being stuck in purgatory's craw. This dimension wants to spit you out, which is exactly what's going to power our escape pod. And I'm pretty sure I can squeeze through too, because after all, you take away the fangs and the fun. I was born human too, but... Cass says, I don't think it would work for me. Benny says, you hear what he's telling you, Dean? Your buddy is saying, Dean says, listen to me, you undead blood junkie. I'm the one with the mojo. I'm the one with the plan. Cass, we're going to shove your ass back through the eye of that needle if it kills all three of us. <laughs> is this a visual there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Benny says. Squish you down until you make it. <laughs> Benny says, obviously, I am less than comfortable with that. <laughs> so we cut back to present day in the fuel barge. Benny says, well, it's good to know you're still dumb as ever. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, well, some things never change. Now, why were you getting into machete fights with your own kind? Benny says, Quentin, the one I came for, we were in the same nest. I'm hunting the vampire who turned me, my maker. Dean says, well, now, don't get me wrong. I'm down with the hunting, but uh, why? Benny says, kill him before he kills me again. So we cut back to Sam. It's nighttime. He's using his laptop outside the motel room. Um, he looks up as a moth flies into a bug zapper, which is disgusting. Okay. just want to say. But that's like one of the best places for a moth to be. So. That's true. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, uh, after a few moments, um, he looks up again as a woman in a bathrobe gets some ice from an ice machine. And we cut to a flashback. Sam is at uh, the motel still. Uh, Riot lies on the floor watching Sam fix an ice machine. Sam flips a switch to test it. Everett says, awesome. Uh, if you're still on the clock, lady in 118 says the sink's backed up. So we cut to room 118. Sam is on the floor under the sink. Three glasses with pieces of lime in them are on the counter. Amelia, the Sorry, veterinarian. <laughs> yeah, someone's got a problem. Um, Amelia, the veterinarian, enters uh, carrying shopping bags. She says, what the hell? What are you doing here? 
I knew there was something off about you with your creepy army Navy and your sideburns. Sam says, stop, stop. Uh, I'm fixing your sink. And She's then, got uh, way too much angst. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why? Uh. Anyway. She's just mean, you know? Like, she is super mean. Like, yeah. There's just no getting around it. She's kind of awful. Yeah. Horrible person. So Amelia says, what? So we cut back to the fuel barge. A bloodstained wallet, money clip, keys, and matches are spread out on a table. Benny picks up the money clip and says, Quentin and I went way back. One of the old man's favorites. Next to me, it turns out. Dean flips through a notebook and says, listen to this. Age of Aquarius, too. And there's some other numbers all crossed out. Some other weird names here, too. The Big Mermaid, Solitaire. It's all crossed out, except for this one, the Lucky Myra. Benny says, yachts, names of yachts, Lucky Myra. Benny takes the notebook from Dean and says, Age of Aquarius, too. Look at this one. See you later, spelled S-E-A. I mean, come on. Benny puts the notebook down on the table, and Dean points at it. And says, so then these are launch times. And what, destinations? Penny says, mm-hmm, except none of them ever got there. Uh, the lucky Myra left yesterday afternoon. I guarantee you she's already been hit. Dean says, what do you mean, hit? Penny says, boarded, burned, and buried at sea. My nest, that's how we fed, how we always fed. We kept a tight little fleet, maybe a half a dozen boats, uh, just pleasure craft. I must have circled the Americas 10 times during my tour. A few of us would act as stringers and patrol the harbors looking for the right size target. Fat, rich yachts going to far off ports, take down the boat's name and destination, radio it to the, radio it to the crew in the water, and then we just uh, let the ocean swallow up our sins. Dean I mean, says, that's smart. It is smart <laughs> and probably a real life thing. I mean, except for the vampire part. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many people have like, you know, just let something sink and have that be the end of it, you know? Yeah. Dean says vampire pirates. That's what you guys are. Vampirates. <laughs> Benny says, you know, all the years we ran together. I can't believe nobody ever thought of that. Dean says, what do you mean? It's like the third thing you say. <laughs> He's like, how do you not put those two things together? <laughs> Benny says, no, it isn't. <laughs> Dean says, all right. So your maker is set up to feed around here, right? He takes the money and piece of paper from the wallet on the table and says, well, what are we looking for? And he puts the money in his pocket. <laughs> Benny says, well, he likes to live in style. He usually rents legitimately. Always remote, always coastal. Dean unfolds a piece of paper and says, so an island, maybe you got a cable bill, a cable bill. <laughs> I can't say it. You got a cable bill here. There we go. Uh, hmm, Quentin's got the NFL package. Prentice Island. Heard of it? Benny says, oh, yeah. So we cut to the Impala. Uh, Dean's driving. He says, yeah. So if you were your maker's favorite, why did he kill you? Benny says, when you get turned, it's like you're reborn into a vampire nest. Your maker, he means everything to you. I mean, you really start to believe he's God. Now, if your maker happens to believe the same thing, well, Dean says, see how that could be a pickle. Uh, well, do you really have to do that? I mean, right now? And he grimaces slightly because Benny is drinking from a blood bag. Benny says, I'm sorry, brother. I'm better, but I'm still on the mend. Dean says, right. 
And Benny says, anyway, our father, he was a jealous God. He kept the family together, but kept us apart from the rest of the world. Always at sea. I always did what was best for the nest until I met her, Andrea, Andrea Cormos. Beautiful. I mean, words don't even cut it, you know, Greek. Dean says, come on. Greek. (laughs) (laughs) Dean says, come on. Benny says she was sailing a 42 foot sloop to the Canary Islands. Now I should have called her boat's destination into my crew, but instead I joined her on it. Dean says, seriously, was Fabio on the cover of that paperback? (laughs) Benny says my life changed when she entered it, Dean, everything I had been or done up to that point just seemed to vanish into what we had become together. I mean, we found it, man. Eventually we sell, we settled in Louisiana and then one night we were coming home and the old man, he was just there. Quentin Sorrento, my oldest nestmates. It was only that night. I understood what a crime it was to him, me leaving him. They pinned me down and they beheaded me. And the last thing I saw was the old man tearing out Andrea's throat. Dean says, well, that's what payback's all about. Am I right? Benny says, docs are up ahead. She'll be able to find a dinghy to use. So we cut to Dean and Benny in a small motorboat. As they approach the shore, Dean sits at the bow. Bow? Bow? It's bow, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Yep. I don't think I've ever had to say that before. <laughs> <laughs> With a rope and prepares to jump off. Um, after Dean's off, he secures the rope. And Benny throws him two bags. They walk through a forest. Dean is texting. Benny says, we're close. Dean's message is to Sam and reads, hunting vamps. Nest on Prentice Island. He continues to type. Um, and Benny says, remind you of anything? Dean's message now says, not alone. But then he deletes the entire message and puts his phone away like a dumbass. It's like, dude, text your brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you probably you, need help. It took you more effort to delete it than it did to just press the send button. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Benny takes his weapon out of his bag and Dean takes out his own weapon. Benny says, it's weird being back in the world. I mean, they throw their bags on the ground and Benny says, isn't it? Dean says, sure as hell is. Benny says, I mean, what do you do with it all? All the, all the everything. Hell, I don't even know if this world is real. If I'm real. Dean says, I know. It's like that kid. Oh, um, after the, tooth procedure done yep. or something like went to the dentist that viral video that happened for a while he's like is yeah. this real life <laughs> am i gonna be this way forever <laughs> uh, i ask myself that sometimes <laughs> <laughs> <For real. laughs> dean says hey listen to me i've seen what happens down that rabbit hole okay we're real benny this is real it's the only way to play this game you get me so they come to a large house. Uh, they go inside into the main room with their weapons ready. Benny looks at a harpsichord. Dean whispers and says, time to move, Benny. Benny says, the old man's harpsichord. Dean says, Benny. And Dean walks away. Uh, Benny looks at framed, a framed photograph of a woman at a table. Benny says, no, no, no. The woman in the photograph, who Andrea, comes down the stairs. She says, Benny. Benny says, Andrea. A man walks up behind Benny and another comes around a corner and a third comes down the stairs behind Andrea. Uh, The man behind Benny knocks him to the ground. Dean listens from behind a wall as Benny is hit again and again. Dean says, idiot. (laughs) 
I mean, fair. Sure, I know, right? <laughs> so we cut to a little while later. Benny is handcuffed to a chair, and a vamp named Sorrento leans over him from behind. Sorrento says, going to make me do this all over again, aren't you? Benny says, hello, Sorrento. To Andrea, who is standing in front of him with another vampire behind her, says, uh, Benny says, he turned you. She nods. We cut to Dean uh, walking around a corner. His phone buzzes. Sam is calling. Dean takes out his phone, but doesn't accept the call. Dean to himself. I know. To himself, he says, a little busy right now. He puts the phone back in his pocket as he walks slowly down the hallway. He ducks out of sight as a vamp appears at the end of the hallway. After a few moments, he opens the door of a room uh, that he was hiding in. Dean's voice uh, on the phone message. This is awkward. Why did I write that? Okay, so Sam's calling Dean, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is about. I'm sure of it. <laughs> um, uh, so Dean's voicemail says, this is Dean's other, other cell. So you must know what to do. Sam hangs up. He's looking at Amelia's Texas driver's license on his laptop. Like a creeper. <laughs> and we hear... Doctor. Um, yeah. And we hear Amelia's voice say, so that's what you do? And we cut to a flashback. We're in Amelia's motel room. Um, the door of the motel room is open and Amelia is still holding shopping bags. She says, you stock helpless women and you break into their motel room and you fix their plumbing. Why are you fixing my sink? <laughs> Sam says, like, maybe you should calm down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should be grateful. Someone is fixing your sink. I know. <laughs> She puts her shopping bags down on the counter. Sam says, uh, well, because somebody jammed about 800 limes down the drain. He shows her the garbage disposal unit. And he says, and blew out the disposal. <laughs> Sam takes a bag of limes out of one of the shopping bags. Amelia says, oh, right. Don't touch the produce. Sam says, right. Amelia says, I thought you were leaving town. Sam says, I am. I'm just helping out with the maintenance at the motel, you know, while Everett's dad is sick. Amelia says, who's Everett? Sam says, how long have you been here? Amelia says, three months. Why? Sam says, well, you know, usually when someone moves into a town, they actually, uh, you know, move into the town. (laughs) Amelia says, I did. Sam says, a motel is not actually part of the town that it's in. It's not part of anywhere. Amelia says, well, I haven't found a place yet. Why am I explaining myself to you? You're a drifter or a handyman. I hate how she says that, like, a handyman's a bad thing. Like, why is that a bad, like, he's literally fixing everything that you screwed up and you're telling them that that he's, like, you know, a bad person because of it? Like, what? I know. I just hate her so much. She's such a bitch. Uh, I know. Okay. Sam says, I think I should go. Amelia says, yeah, I think you should go, too. Sam picks up his tray of tools. I think she should just go right away. (laughs) Disappear. Yep. Sam picks up his tray of tools. On his way out, he takes Amelia's keys out of the door and puts them on the kitchen bench. He closes the door behind him. And the flashback ends. We cut back to real time with Sam. His phone rings. Sam says, hey. Dean says, okay, what? Sam says, what? Dean says, why did you call me? (laughs) Sam says, why are you whispering? Dean says, it's kind of hard to explain, right? But I'm sort of in the middle of cleaning out a vampire's nest and it's sort of gone a little sideways on me. Sam says, what? 
Dean takes the phone away from his ear and holds it against his chest. Sam says, are you an idiot, Dean? You know better than to go into a vamp's nest alone. Dean says, I'm not alone, damn it. All right. I'm not alone. I've got backup. Guy who's been tracking the nest for a while. Sam says, what guy? Garth? Dean says, what? No, you don't know him. He's a friend. Sam says, a friend? Dean, you don't have any. All your friends are dead. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> yep. Dean says, dead that's or undead. <laughs> great. Dean says, that's not what I called to talk about. And he holds the phone to his chest again. Uh, we cut to Benny. Andrea says, Sorrento, go. Tell the old man it's true. And Sorrento leaves. Benny says, he listens to you? Andrea says, it's been a long time. Our father has come to trust my judgment over Sorrento's. I answer only to him. Benny says, well, sleeping with God has got to have some perks. Andrea hits Benny across the face. She says, yes, it does. To the two vampires standing behind her, she says, make sure the old man has everything he needs. And they leave. Andrea roughly pulls Benny forward, then strokes his face and kisses him. She says, oh, Benny, when I heard you were back, I don't know. Somehow I knew it was true. I had to believe it to hope. Benny says, Andrea, what happened? The old man said he was going to bleed you dry. Andrea says, I don't know. He changed his mind. I blacked out. When I woke up, I was drinking from his wrist. Benny says, I'm sorry. All of this is because of me. I'm sorry. Andrea says, no, it's not your fault. You never hid anything from me, Benny. I chose you. Benny says, but why'd you... <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Benny says, but why'd you stay with them, with him? Why? Andrea says, you remember what it's like at first. First, everything resets. Life is blood. That's all. And whoever gives it to you. Benny says, I know it's complicated. Every damn thing is complicated. Andrea takes a large knife from her waistband and holds it out to Benny. She says, it doesn't have to be. Benny says, Andrea. Andrea says, Benny, I can't kill him. She tucks the knife into his jacket and says, none of us can, but you, you came back from the grave. You're proof that he's not all powerful and that he's not God. He's scared of you, Benny. I know it. And she presses keys into his hand. Benny says, you understand that I came back to burn his operation to the ground to stop the killing. A door opens and Andrea says, do what you came for and we can be together. She strokes his face and steps away. Sorrento comes in and says he wants Benny brought to him. So I cut back to Dean. He's texting on the phone as Sam talks. Sam says, I get the separate lives thing, but this is a hunting thing. We need to find that line. Benny says, oh my God, stop talking. I texted <laughs> you by 20. Sam says, yeah, I got it. Look, I'm on my way. And listen, if you can handle it, great. I'll buy your friend the first round. But Dean, listen to me. Dean, Dean, are you there? Dean has left his phone still on, on a table. Sam says, Dean, a vampire hears the phone and walks over to the sideboard. He says, Dean, are you kidding me? And Dean cuts off the vampire's head and then picks up his phone from the ground where it fell. The screen is broken. Dean says, oh man, come on. And we cut to Sam uh, who hangs up the phone and throws his phone to the floor. He says, damn it. So I cut back to Dean. As Dean gets ready to move the body of the vampire he killed, he looks up and sees a second vampire watching him. We cut to Benny. Sorrento brings him into a room where Benny's maker is waiting. Benny says, hello, father. Benny's maker says, Benny, I have no words. Benny says, now I know that ain't true. 
Bunny's maker set. He's got all of the words. <laughs> yeah. I also hate that this guy doesn't have a name except for Benny's maker. I know. Like, it, it's kind of a weird thing because you would think that he's like. You gave all these little side vampires names, you know, like. Yeah. I know. Anyway, Benny's maker says, can you help us understand? I know you don't owe us anything, but how, how are you here standing in front of me? Benny says, I found a way back. Benny's maker says from hell. Benny says right next door. As far as I could tell, (laughs) Benny's maker says next door. What's that? Benny says, Oh, I think I'll just have to show you. Benny's maker says, I know it won't change anything, but I've regretted having you killed. When it was all done, I wailed when I saw you in all those pieces. Didn't I, Sorrento? Didn't I wail like the ugliest baby in the world? Sorrento says, yes, father. That's when you decided to turn his cow. Not a very nice term for his woman, but that's fine. No. (laughs) (laughs) Benny's maker says, poor so-so is bitter because your cow outrakes him now. Benny says, why didn't you let her die? She meant nothing to you. Benny's maker says, but she meant everything to you. If that's all I could salvage from my wayward son, the woman he defiled for his maker, I wanted someone to remember you by. The cut to Dean, a body lies on the ground in the hallway, and we hear the sound of another body being dragged away. Two more vampires appear at the end of the hallway, and at the other end of the hallway, we see a body being dragged into a room. The vampires run for the room. There's a slicing sound and the sound of heads hitting the floor, and then another slashing sound. A head flies through the air into the hallway. <laughs> Dean steps it's out of the room. right there. <laughs> yep, it is. Dean stepped up, steps out of the room with his purgatory weapon in his hand and walks down the hallway. We get a flashback to purgatory. Dean says, what the hell do you know about the value of life? You're a vampire. Dean, Benny, and Cass are walking through the forest. Benny says, yep. And I think we both know which of our kinds kills more humans. Cass says, well, I can't say it. (laughs) Statistically speaking, that'd be your. Dean says, yes. Thank you, Cass. Benny says, I get it. You're worried that I might, you're worried what I might do if you make it topside. I'll start eating your little piggies. I already told you, man, by the time I got iced, I was strictly on blood transfusions and donated blood. Not donated to me. I'll give you that. But I paid good black market scratch for it. Dean says, so what is that? Like the vampire zone diet? Benny says, look, all I'm saying is I started seeing something in humanity, okay? Something that shouldn't be taken. I drink blood. I don't drink people. Dean says, and why the hell should I believe you? Benny says, what does it matter what you believe? You got your head so far up your ass, Dean. You don't even realize we're already done for. The angel knows it. We're never going to make it with him next to us glowing like a beacon. Dean says, do I need to remind you of our deal? Of what you committed to? Benny says, he's going to get us killed. Cass says, we may get to test that theory. Dean says, more monsters? Cass says, Leviathan. Dean says, why don't you blip out of here? Cass says, they're too close. I can't. Run. We cut back to Dean in real time. He's walking through the house. Uh, We cut back to Sam. He breaks into a car in the parking lot and drives off. We get a flashback to... um, Sam outside the old motel room, right barks and runs towards one of the motel rooms. Sam says, no, no, dog, dog. Oh, and right runs <laughs> right into Amelia's room. Sam says, no, dog, don't bother the angry lady. 
Riot jumps onto the sofa and lies across Amelia's lap. Um, Sam knocks on Amelia's open door and says, hey, hey, sorry. Amelia says, dog, that's what you're calling him? Sam says, uh, Amelia says, well, it's accurate. Sam stands in the doorway with a leash in his hands. Amelia says, is dog taking his antibiotics? Sam says, uh, yes, he is. He's doing much better. Thank you. You know, um, I have to say, I've seen a lot of stitches in my time and you've got really good hands. Amelia says, thank you. Sam says, He's like, so and I've also done stitches. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Many <Well>, times. <laughs> Sam says, so you think I'm creepy? Amelia says, I think it's creepy you buy all your clothes at army surplus. White supremacists do that. Sam says, yeah, but I'm not. Amelia like, says, what a bitch. <laughs> I know. I know. Like God. you're literally just trying to like, just put him down literally every single turn you know yep. amelia says drifting serial killers do that sam says fair enough amelia amelia says you come from nowhere you appear to be going nowhere and you've quote seen a lot of stitches it's all pretty solid creepy sam sits down opposite amelia and says you have no idea where you're going either do you amelia says no not really sam says and that's because you have no one I mean, at all, right? I mean, that's why you're here in this place. Amelia says, I used to have someone. I mean, but that's over now. It's gone. You know what that's like, don't you? And the flashback ends. We cut back to Sam in the car at night. He holds his phone to his ear while driving. Dean's voicemail says, this is Dean's other, other voicemail. Sam hangs up and drops his phone to the floor of the car. Um, that's not very smart, Sam. You might need your phone later. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> he speeds up from 80 miles an hour to 90. So we cut back to Benny. Benny's maker says, I suppose you're coming back from the dead. Well, that's the definition of mutiny, isn't it? All this has me feeling so tired. Benny says, you should have let me go. Benny's maker says, but Benny, I don't let things go. Benny says, really? You've lived so long. How is it you have so little? Uh, nothing but a beat up old harpsichord and a nest of hyenas. Benny's maker says, I have the sea and I have Andrea. Benny says, no, you don't have her. And he holds up the handcuffs and says, at least that much. I know Serrano Serrano. I thought it was Sorrento. I think it's Sorrento. Serrano is a type of pepper, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. So. Typo. <laughs> I know. Uh, okay. Sorrento. <laughs> Sorrento says, oh, that dumb bitch. And he lunges at Benny, who leans back to avoid the knife. Benny grabs Sorrento's wrist and handcuffs it. He throws Sorrento against the wardrobe and then pushes him to his knees. Benny stands um, on the loose end of the handcuffs and pulls Sorrento's head back with his hair. Sorrento says, when the hell did you learn to fight like that? Benny says, I've had a lot of practice. And then Benny cuts off Sorrento's head. He spreads his arms wide and lets the knife fall to the ground. Benny says, you just going to sit there? Benny's maker says, you're right. I've been here so, so long, Benny. Seen all the outcomes, all the patterns a trillion times. It all means so little. This universe is a pyramid of despair. Nothing else. Benny says, a little dark. <laughs> Benny's maker says, I am evil after all. At least I've had that much to keep me cold at night. You never had that, did you? Everything had to be thought about, considered. Benny says, you know what Socrates said about a life unconsidered? 
Benny Smaker says, yes, but what we have in us, Benny, that's not life. That's what you still don't get. That's why it's always been so hard for you. My poor Benjamin. Benny throws his maker into a glass pane and says, get up. Benny's maker laughs. Blood runs from his nose. Benny's maker says, this is the one last thing I can take from you. Benny says, no, you try it, damn it. You try and kill me again. Benny's maker says, this is my story, you gnat. Benny says, get up. Benny's maker says, it ends the way I choose, not you. Benny hauls his maker to his feet and says, well, at least I can finally show you something new, old man. A whole new world. And he flips open the large clasp knife that Andrea gave him. We cut to Andrea. She waits downstairs. Benny walks past her and lays the bloody knife on the harpsichord. Benny says, the old man is dead. Let's go. Andrea takes his hand, but stays where she is. Andrea says, where, Benny? Benny says, what are you talking about? Anywhere. Like Andrea, literally anywhere but here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Andrea looks down and Benny says, you're not leaving here, are you? And you never were. Andrea says, we have everything we need right here. The operation is still perfect. We can ride the high seas, plunder together. We can have the life we always wanted. Benny says, what I wanted was to leave a burning crater behind. I wanted to put your memory to rest. Andrea says, but I'm not a memory, Benny. I'm right here. Benny says, what I loved, it ain't here anymore. It was snuffed out a long time ago by monsters like me, like what you've become. Andrea says, you think you're better than me now? Benny says, no, I think we're all damned. Andrea snarls and her fangs descend. Dean stabs her from behind and then cuts off her head. Benny and Dean look at each other. And then Benny looks down at Andrea's body. So we cut to the shore. Dean and Benny prepare to launch the boat. Benny says, why'd you do it, Dean? Dean says, do what? Benny says, resurrect me. You could have drained my soul into any culvert. No one would have been the wiser. Dean says, what the hell are you talking about? Hey, you good? Benny says, man, I don't know what I am. So we cut to a flashback of purgatory. Dean, Benny, and Cass run through the forest. Something hits the ground near Dean in a cloud of thick black smoke. Dean, Benny, and Cass stop. The smoke clears and a mass of black goo turns into a leviathan. Dean says, oh, great. Leviathan goes towards Dean. Cass heads in the opposite direction, but another bunch of black smoke hits the ground in front of him and becomes a second Leviathan. Dean swings at the first Leviathan with his weapon. The second Leviathan throws Cass to the ground. Dean hacks, um, I don't know what that says. Dean hacks at the first Leviathan who is down. The second Leviathan's mouth transforms. Benny cuts off the second Leviathan's head and gives Cass a hand to pull him up. And when we cut back to Dean in real time, Dean and Benny are in the boat approaching the dock. Benny is steering and Dean is at the bow with the rope. Uh, Sam waits on the dock. Dean throws the rope to Sam and tosses his and Benny's bags onto the dock. Dean steps off the boat. Sam looks past him to Benny. Benny joins Dean on the dock. Benny to Sam says, I'm Benny. And he offers Sam his hand. Sam takes it. Benny says, heard a lot about you, Sam. Very slowly, Sam looks at Dean as Sam undoes the cover of a knife holster at his side with his left hand. Sam's fingers flex on his knife. Benny watches. Dean shakes his head slowly, and Sam loses his grip on the knife. Benny lets go of Sam's hand, and he says, I can see you two have a lot to talk about. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just going to leave, but also kind of smug a little bit. Yeah, a little smug, yeah. <laughs> 
Then he pats Dean on the arm, picks up his bag and steps between Sam and Dean as he walks away. Sam and Dean look at each other and credits. Okay. So I only have two thoughts. And the first one is, is I don't know that I would trust Andrea. (laughs) Oh God, no. You know, like he, I don't know to me, like Benny just was like, Oh, there's this person that I really liked at one point. Let me just like blindly follow her, even though it's been how long, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Right. And she's been serving and servicing, you know, know. (laughs) master and yeah. Like, I guess he didn't like blindly follow her so much as he was just like, he trusted her too much, you know, Mm -hmm. she did help him escape and stuff. She did help him escape and stuff, but like, you know, whether it would have gone badly or not, you know, like, it's just kind of one of those, like, you haven't seen her in how long? And you're just going to be like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That just seems kind of weird to me. Yeah. I suppose love will make you do some crazy, stupid shit. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Even if it's been how long? I don't know. How long was he in purgatory? Did we ever find that out or did it say? I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. But I can assume that it was a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So. The vampires don't age. So there's no way to like know. Yeah. Like, as long, I mean, it sounds like there were yachts involved. So I would guess sometime <laughs> after <laughs> the making of yachts. <laughs> but that, that's pretty much the only, like, I don't know, reference, I guess, that we have to any time mm-hmm. that I remember. But I don't know. Also, okay, so we all know that Sam is used to pretty harsh love. <laughs> yeah. So, like... Do you think that's why he even liked Amelia was because he was just used to kind of getting like <laughs> the short end. Of the and so he was just like, Oh, well, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know why Sam had a thing for Amelia. I mean, she's pretty, you know, sure. But she's but awful. you know. <laughs> she's awful, but like maybe he thinks like, get-go. it's not like she was nice at first and tried to like draw him in and then was rude. Like she was just awful from the get go. I think it's pretty clear that she's damaged. Oh, for sure. And Sam likes to, you know, kind of like gravitate towards those types of people because he likes to help people. So that's what I think. Yeah. I don't know. To me, it just, that doesn't seem like a good enough reason. (laughs) (laughs) Because she's a fucking bitch to him. She is. She's awful. (laughs) God. Like, ugh. I don't know. I just, I don't like her. Nope. <laughs> She's kind of awful. I think she is my least favorite person in the entire show. Yeah, one of them. <laughs> I can't think of somebody that I hate uh, as much. I know that there's a couple people that I really, really don't like. I mean, Amelia is up there with that. Like Amelia has no redeeming qualities that I can tell or that I yeah. remember, but there's a couple of them too that, yeah, they don't really have much as far as redeeming qualities either, but they're later on. So I don't want to. Okay. You'll have to, you'll have to tell me later. Cause yeah. I can't think I of don't anybody. Yeah. Give anything away, but <laughs> anyways. Um, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Oh, okay. So, um, it was actually at the end 
um, when they're on the dock and Sam and Benny were shaking hands and Sam was like going for his knife and because he could tell Benny was a vampire because his, why do you think? Because his skin was cold. Do you think Probably. that's how that that's how he could tell he was a vampire? Because it, was... it happened when they shook hands. So I'm yeah, exactly. He was probably like, um, that guy's not alive, you know? Like, yeah. And I just really liked that moment. And it was kind of slow mo, wasn't it? Like, and Dean was like, no, like, don't don't kill my friend. And yeah, Sam I don't was know like... if it was slow mo so much, but like, I mean, also, also, I don't really remember, but <laughs> I don't remember either. <laughs> You know, it's just kind of one of those, like, I, I would assume that it was probably because of a temperature thing, Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's what I think. Yeah. And Sam was like, I'm gonna kill this dude. And Dean was like, no, you're not. And I'm like, please don't. Yeah. Sam was like, okay, but we're going to talk about this. <laughs> like, We're going to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite moment? Um, I kind of liked when Cass was like, I have no relationship to your sibling, si- sibling offspring. <laughs> that was pretty <laughs> good. Was, like, honestly confused about like, wait, I'm not related to what, you know, and it's like, <laughs> oh boy, you know, like, exactly. here we go again, you know, <laughs> and Benny was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not used to the, not understanding the references. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And Dane was like, oh God. Is a idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um so our interesting facts from this episode, it says, um, Benny asks his asks his maker, do you know what Socrates said about life unconsidered? Um, and it says Socrates Socrates said the unconsidered life is not worth living. Um um, this is the episode in which we find out that Castiel's angel rank is a seraph. Mm-hmm. Um, in Dean's recollection of purgatory, Benny whistles slightly off key in the hall of the mountain King from the opera Pier Gint um, by Edvard uh, Gregg. This is the same tune whistled by Peter Lore in the classic film M from 1931. Um, this film is loosely based on, uh, on the murder also called the vampire of Dusseldorf. Hmm. Okay. I did write that down. I'm like, I wonder what that's because it seemed, I don't know if it was just kind of one of those that like has a similar tune to something else, but it kind of seemed familiar for some reason. And like, after reading this, there's no reason why it would be familiar to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Sam quotes Elmer Fudd um, by saying, you're a wascally wabbit, Mr. Tran. <laughs> you did better than I did in saying that. <laughs> um, it says, Vampirate Benny <laughs> tells of his love for the beautiful Greek heiress, and Dean asks if Fabio was on the cover of that paperback. Um, in the 80s and 90s, Fabio was the male model for the covers of over 480 Harlequin books, uh, romance novels. <laughs> Benny's tale is on par with Harlequin romances, which I don't know what that means. What what part of it? What uh, what like a Harlequin romance novel means? You know, like oh, that's they're like these little romances. They're like these little books um, that have you know the scantily clad woman and Fabio in the background, and or they're holding each other. And I mean, like yeah, it's just a romance novel. It's just a type of romance novel. 
well yeah that's what I'm saying like I don't know the type of romance novel it is mm-hmm. like what determines that it's a harlequin one is I that think just that's like a publisher, publisher. yeah I um, should know this and I'm not sure <laughs> I think oh. it's a publisher whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just interesting because it says his tail is on par with there so there must be like the harlequin romances must have like certain plot lines you know I've never like maybe it's something like paranormal or Mm -hmm. like I don't know (laughs) I got nothing (laughs) yeah I don't I have no idea (laughs) um it says Mike Carpenter plays a vampire in this episode um he previously played the scarecrow in Supernatural um from 2006 from the episode Scarecrow as well as making an uncredited appearance as himself in this the French mistake which so who did he play in this episode in Scarecrow he played the Scarecrow um and he made an appearance as himself in the French mistake so he must be somebody who obviously works on the crew or something for Supernatural okay but they don't say that in there they just yeah that's a little confusing himself, so I would assume that he's like part of the crew or something um it says while going to purgatory's escape hatch Dean says Cass we're gonna shove your ass back through the eye of that needle <laughs> um in the gospels of Matthew Mark and Luke we read parables about being easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the gates of heaven um, the general interpretation is that you must give up your desire for possessions to enter heaven. Um, applying that to cast in purgatory is puzzling. Huh. Which, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, maybe they're trying to say that, I don't, here's the thing, is like, I don't think that they were trying to apply it as anything other than like, literally just saying we're going to shove you through that however we can not like saying that Cass has money and he doesn't want to give it up you know like I think that the person who wrote that was trying to make a connection that wasn't quite there yeah I'll agree with that but anyways um it says in this episode while doing research and helping out an old buddy uh Sam and Dean flashback to their lives the past year while they were apart yes (laughs) so many flashbacks in one of the flashbacks um castiel reveals to dean that he's a seraph which means he takes orders from the archangels um zachariah was also a seraph that took orders from michael so it's like one below a um uh, archangel it sounds like okay i mean it doesn't have to be one below because i guess all of the angels are below archangels but they're they're getting the direct orders so i don't know if they're higher up on the chain or the lower down on the chain but anyway um and it says the old man refers to benny as his wayward son um this phrase is also found in the unofficial supernatural anthem the song carry on wayward son by kansas um this is the first time any character has actually used the moniker to refer to another character and ironically it's a vampire speaking to one of his progeny rather than someone speaking to one of the winchesters i noticed that i thought that was weird uh, yeah I mean I was kind of like oh wayward son you know yeah but it was kind of strange that it's like okay like this has nothing to do with them I guess does it happen again later in the series oh know? I don't know it doesn't say it might hmm. show up later if it does happen in another 
um, episode. I don't remember it happening, but that doesn't mean it doesn't because yeah. I don't remember a lot of things. So. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so for our research from this episode, um, because it's in Washington, of course, we had to go with something in Washington. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Because also, we're from Washington, so that's right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is off of Cairo7.com um, from 2017, but uh, the title is Washington State Hauntings: um, Scary Apparitions, Ghost Parties, and Voices from Beyond. Um, it says Washington State and the Pacific Northwest in general are steeped in a rich history. Um, from centuries of Native American culture to the Oregon Territory and early Americans travel through, along the Oregon Trail to the gold rush and logging industry, the Evergreen State has its share of ghostly tales and hauntings. Um, and it has the top five haunted places in Washington. Okay. Um, so the first one is Tacoma Old City Hall. Um, it said Tacoma's Old City Hall is a five-story Italian Renaissance-style building in downtown Tacoma featuring a 10-story clock tower. Um, it was finished in late April 1893 and was used as a seat for city government for, uh, from the early 20th century until 1957. The building was saved from demolition in 1974 and placed on the National Registry of Historic Places. Like many old buildings across the country, Old Tacoma City Hall has its share of stories, but some of those tales, whether true or an urban legend by now, border on the otherworldly. Uh, the bell tower is said to be haunted. The bell has been known to ring late at night or early in the morning, according to the website Haunted Places. Um, since the 1970s, police have been called to the building on numerous occasions to investigate odd disturbances, according to hauntedrooms.com. Disturbances include lights flashing on and off, noises of unknown origin inside the building, and fire alarms and burglar alarms. But when police have responded, there's been no sign of attempted forced entry or anyone inside. Um, security guards have reported seeing shadowy apparitions and heard coughing outside the old council chambers when no one was there. Ooh, cover your mouth. <laughs> but also, yeah, you know. <laughs> it says there's also rumors about a ghost named Gus um, who moves the building's elevator up and down and unlocks doors. Yuck. Um, um, this one is in Seattle and it's Hotel Andra. Um, it says the 119 room Hotel Andra, located in the heart of Seattle, is a 10 story building that opened in 1926 as a Claremont Hotel. It's been remodeled several times and is still a functioning hotel. Renamed the Hotel Andra in 2004, it's one of the premier luxury hotels in downtown Seattle, according to the Andra's website. Andra officials say the hotel provided efficiency. Um, apartments when it first opened and acted as a transfer station for members of the Women's Army Corps um, from 1945 to 1947. It was transformed into a small boutique hotel in the 1970s before opening as the Hotel Andra in 2004. But one thing seems to have remained the same when it comes to the Andra, the ghost stories. <laughs> Staffers and guests have reported apparitions in the building and are said to have witnessed objects moving on their own. One of the more common stories from the guests involves an apparition of a woman who appears in guests' rooms wearing 1930s-style clothing. Um, perhaps the most widely told story of the Hotel Andra, or Andra haunting happens on the building's ninth floor. 
People have reported hearing loud music from the 1920s and 30s jazz era as if a party is underway, but when hotel staffers check into the reports, there's no music and no party. Guests have reported hearing glass breaking and even fighting, only to be told there's no one there. <laughs> Um, the hotel andra is a hotbed of supernatural activity according to ghost hunters and paranormal investigators so if you're looking for an otherworldly party you might just find it at the andra Um, this one's in cedra woolly it's the northern state mental hospital Um, it says the northern state mental hospital now known in some circles as the northern state ghost town is located in the foothills of the north cascades um, the self-sustaining hospital complex, once the, la- the state's largest facility for the mentally insane or not so insane, sits on 1,100 acres and was operational from 1912 to 1973, according to the Washington Trail Association. The complex is designed as a self-sustaining and therapeutic colony for the mentally ill, um, WTAA said on its website. The site boasted patient and staff quarters, a lumber mill, a quarry, a greenhouse, a laundry and canning facilities and more. Um, There was also a 700 acre farm and and the site had a cemetery where thousands of people have been buried. The hospital closed in 1976, but some of its buildings are still used um, as a drug rehab center and for Job Corps projects that WTA reported. According to some reports, patients died at the facility from all kinds of experimental treatments, including electroshock therapy, sterilizations and botched transorbital lobotomies. That's a hard Transorbital lobotomies. That's a hard sentence or hard thing to say. Um, Investigators of paranormal activity have said the ghostly remains of the Northern State Mental Hospital are haunted. Uh, Some of the documented paranormal activity include the apparitions of a nurse pushing a patient in a wheelchair. Some visitors have reported seeing shadowy figures and others have reported hearing screams and voices. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Um, It says, although occupied buildings at the complex are off limits to the public, most of the property is now part of the Northern State Recreation Area and can be accessed if you're up for a little ghost hunting. Um, So this one is in Port Gamble, which I've never heard of. Um, um, This is the Walker Ames House. It says, paranormal investigators say that 1889 Walker Ames House in Port Gamble is the most haunted house in Washington and possibly even the country. In fact, the town itself is haunted, according to residents and ghost hunters. Paranormal investigators report the Walker Ames House in Port Gamble, Washington, is haunted with mysterious visits by ghostly children and house staff from a former era. Uh, The ornate Victorian home with its upper stories painted a mossy green, pale yellow on the lower floors, and red around the bottom of the house has been empty since the mill closed more than 20 years ago. That does not sound like a good paint job. No, like... (laughs) <laughs> what you know like, i'm trying to think like what places have red yellow and green flags like that's the only thing like maybe they were from a place like that and they wanted yeah, it that to could be, be like uh, i don't representing know. yeah I don't representing know. that like that that's i don't know I mean, there it could be done well i mean unless they just had like a theme for each floor maybe you know and that's just yeah I don't know it sounds awful it sounds kind of like maybe you should just kind of stick with a theme throughout the whole place yeah (laughs) but I mean the picture of the house it looks pretty pretty big so but not like I don't know tie it all together (laughs) anyway um 
I forgot where it was at. Um, the Port Gamble Paranormal website claims many homes in the town, which was built in, in 1852 as a company lumber mill town and modeled after New England towns of the same era, are haunted. Um, it's not hard to believe that Port Gamble and the Walker Ames House, which are located on the Kitsap Peninsula and exude a ghostly aura, are haunted. Um, local uh, psychic and paranormal investigator Pete Orbia, I'm guessing it's Orbia, um, offers tours of the Walker Ames House and other areas in Port Gamble. According to Orbia, supernatural activity occurs throughout the house, and visitors have reported oddities ranging from hearing weird voices to seeing apparitions. Visitors have also reported seeing children peeking out of the attic windows, an angry little boy in the basement, and other house staff, including a butler and a housekeeper. No, thank you. Angry nope. little boy in the basement. I don't like it. Nope. And why would you go in the basement to begin with? <laughs> That's how it, literally every horror story starts. What do you think? <laughs> uh, That's true. <laughs> it says some who have taken Orbia's tour claim something pulled their hair or grabbed at them in the basement. And Orbia has described a bad stench at times following tours out of the house. Um, it says, warning, take the tour at your own risk. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> um this one's also in seattle um it says it's the kells irish pub which i don't know if i've ever seen not that i know seattle all that well mm-hmm. but you know whatever <laughs> um it says kells irish pub is in the pike place market and is a known ghostly haunt um some swear it's the most haunted bar in the country although most states probably have a drinking establishment um, patrons and swear is as haunted as Kells. They might be hard pressed though because the, of the number of bodies that have passed through the pub. <laughs> um, it says Kells is located in the Butterworth building, um, a former mortuary. The entire building was used to store bodies according to the website Ghostly Activities and Kells was the entrance for delivering the bodies which were then taken up to the third floor on the elevator for processing. Uh, some of the paranormal activity documented inside Kells includes apparitions, including a man in a suit who's been seen sitting at the end of the bar, a little girl with red hair that manifests more often during the day when children are allowed in the bar, and a spirit in the derby hat that appears in a mirror. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. um, customers and staff have also reported mirrors shattering for seemingly no reason, glasses that are suddenly knocked off tables, and disembodied voices. <laughs> But Kells is a hot spot in Seattle known for its live music and drinks, and some say spirits are attracted to the lively, lively atmosphere. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> You're succeeding. <laughs> but yeah, like, so that, that just uh, is a whole list of places that I, I don't want to go to. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I think we should go. <laughs> yeah. Except for the one with the little boy in the basement. I could go without that experience. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm a chicken shit, so <laughs> none of that sounds like fun to me. <laughs> like not even a little bit. But <laughs> anyways, <laughs> um, what was your Idjid Rasput moment from this week? Oh, okay. So yesterday, Eric is like, "Hey, did you buy um, something from this toy store in New York, like online?" And I'm like, I don't know. Did I? Like, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, it doesn't sound familiar. And he pulls up the charges and it's like, there's like a $34 or 24. I can't remember. 
um, charge. And then like every two weeks after that, like a nine 99 charge, like it's a subscription kind mm-hmm. of, you know? Um, and I was like, no, I definitely didn't do that. And so we're like trying to find it online and like the store, you know, and we can't find it. And Eric calls the bank and they, you know, cancel the card and, you know, reverse the charges and are mm-hmm. awesome and, you know, all that. Yeah. So it was <laughs> fine. But, um, but I talked to you last night and you were like, um, it sounds like maybe a YouTube, you know, subscription thing that maybe Killian did accidentally. And the so. only reason why I even say that is because I know he's on there and he likes to watch the toy stuff on there, which is like, it's a toy company that, mm-hmm. you know, that's really the only connection that I have. But. Yeah. Oh, it was a good idea. We, <laughs> we looked and, um, on our YouTube account and you can see if you've made any purchases and we mm-hmm. hadn't. So, and we looked up like this, you know, the store on YouTube just to see if that was even a thing and it wasn't. So no, well, yeah, there so goes that theory out the window. <laughs> I just think it's strange that like somebody would, you know, get our account info and only do a toy subscription. This, yeah. Buy this small thing. Yeah. Like, it seems like you would go big or go home, you know? I know. Right. (laughs) But yeah. So, I mean, maybe just, yeah, maybe just so that, you know, keep it small so that we didn't notice, Maybe. but, but it's just a weird thing. I don't know. Anyway, ass butts, total fucking ass butts. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of strange though, that it's like a toy subscription of all things. It's well, and we couldn't find any information on the store. Yeah. Like there was no like address, you know what I mean? So I'm wondering if it's something else, you know, that they just were like, oh, let's pretend we're a toy store. You know, I don't know what, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's one of those like sketchy massage parlors or something that somebody goes into like every, but I don't see that being (laughs) $9.99 for the subscription. Yeah. I could imagine that that would be probably more than that. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. That never crossed my mind. I wonder what else, like what it could be. So I yeah. honestly like have no clue. I don't really like what would be 10 bucks every two weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like, if unless it was it's like a payment plan for something where it was like, Mm, that could be we bought this or we wanted to buy this one thing and it charges them every so often until it's paid off you know like those things that you can like as seen on tv or whatever it's like for only three easy payments of you know whatever you know maybe it's something like that but I don't know how how long um has that been going on I can't remember I don't think I looked at the date um there were maybe like like seven of the 9.99 charges huh yeah a couple months so, really yeah but so I don't know that's weird yeah anyway it, it yeah. stressed me out for quite a while and then I was just like Eric was like well you know we're getting new cards you know in the mail in a couple days you know when this kind of thing happens that's mm-hmm. what you do and yeah and I was like oh we're gonna have to change all of our like subscriptions Everything. yeah like every, Amazon and all that yeah <laughs> yeah every like direct you know thing so mm-hmm. 
Um, and then I get, of course I get a message from Amazon, like an hour later that was like, you know, like we hate your card isn't working, you know, so this has been canceled and just like, come on, like, like great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. lame. <laughs> what was your agent harassment moment? So mine, I think we've had, I think I've had this issue before that I've talked about on the podcast, but my manager decided to schedule me again without telling me. Oh no. <laughs> like it was kind of, I don't even know, like before I could see, cause she had like the time that it is, that it's happened before it's like, Hey, can you work this day or do this shift or whatever? And it's like, Hey, let me find out. Like I need to talk to you know, Travis or whatever, and like, see what's going on or whatnot, you know, or like, Hey, I think I might have plans that day. Let me find out. And like, I'll get back to you sort of thing. And then like, I forgot to get back to her, but she still scheduled me anyways, just because apparently that's what you do. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. And this time she just like, she didn't even ask me. She just scheduled me. It was just kind of one of those, like, okay. She was just like, I want you to do this. And she asked me about a different day and she scheduled me for that. And then just like, or a different, it was like training somebody. And so I guess she just assumed that I would be doing all of the training, even though she never like asked me or even told me, you know, like there was no voluntold, there was no asking, there was nothing. It was just like, I'm on the schedule for tomorrow. And like, what, you know, like, like, why am I on the schedule for tomorrow? Oh, well, I told you, it's like, no, you know, you didn't, you didn't tell me anything. You didn't ask me anything like, oh, so that was just kind of another one of those. That would really piss me off. Annoyances, you know, like it wasn't the end of the world or anything. It was just kind of one of those, like, does this have to keep happening? You know, like, yeah. Well, what if you had plans? Like, what if you were going out of town or, you know, then I would have had to work anyway, because like it would have. I mean, well, I don't know. Like I, I probably would have just had to work, honestly. I mean, it, it would be possible to like, cause it wasn't anything like super, super time. Um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Time consuming, time sensitive. There we go. Okay. <laughs> the word, I don't know. I don't know the word but anyway. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, okay I mean thanks I guess (laughs) yeah but I mean at least I got a little bit of a bigger paycheck which I guess is nice but it is like okay but what (laughs) you know (laughs) you need to have a talk with her and just be like listen you can't do that like you need to talk to me about it first oh we did okay good I I you know I was like hey so like because she said something of the effect of like oh, there was like a, you know, I don't even know. She somehow like it, she kind of almost tried to make it my fault. And I'm like, no, here's the thing. Like there was no conversation when you sent out the text message that said, here's the people that are doing these trainings for this portion of the training. You didn't put anybody's name by it. There was no information about who was doing it. So Mm -hmm. how am I supposed to know that that's something that you want me to do? Also, you didn't talk to me. You talked to me about the other part of the training, but not this one. Mm -hmm. So I was like, if you're going to send out text messages and stuff like that, don't just assume that because I was the last name that you mentioned that this was like all this stuff underneath it after that is going to be me because it wasn't set up like that, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like that, you know, like, 
better communication needs to happen, you know, like, and also like, you never asked me about that. So I wouldn't assume that that was something that I did. And it was something that I'd never done before for training that usually somebody else does. So I figured that that person was the one that was still doing it, not me who's never done it before, but yeah, it ended up being okay. But it was just kind of one of those, like, what, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I'd be pissed. But yeah, there is a conversation. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you talked to her about it. Yeah. Cause I'm hoping that it doesn't happen again, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgits and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idgit and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.